so here's our Java simulation that's on the web page. So uh, that pink thing is a little repulsive potential, and the blue peak is a wave function coming in to scatter off it. So it comes in, starts to interact with the potential, you get some really complicated waveform. And because it's a repulsive potential, what you see is that there's less of the wave function behind the potential. Which is to say, if you think about it as a repulsive, let's not watch that. Now it's interacting with the boundary conditions. So when it scattered off the repulsive potential, it's scattered out, which is why the quantum way of seeing that a repulsive potential gives you a repulsive force. So behind the potential, the wave function is smaller because it's scattered out. If I flip the sign of the potential to negative and restart it, uh, now it likes to be in the potential so it doesn't get pushed away. So now the wave function is big behind it. Scattering target. Okay, now I'm going to switch it back to repulsive. And I'm going to change the energies. Oh, well, we'll watch it one more time. So, so uh, here are the energies relatively low. So something's getting get reflected back this way and off to the sides. But if I change the energy of the incoming wave function, now it's got some bigger energy. So now when the energy is much bigger compared to the potential, most of the wave function just goes through. So that's the condition when we can apply uh, the Born approximation. When the energy is bigger than the I'm on the laptop side. Good timing. When the energy is much bigger than the potential, most of the wave function will go through. So we can make the approximation to first order that the wave function that appears in the integral Schrodinger equation is mostly unaffected and just put in the incoming wave. Okay. So that was a battery life of eight minutes. Question? Yep. What order was that uh, approximation? That was numerically solving the Schrodinger equation. So it wasn't the Born approximation. But we could see it when the energy was larger, the Born approximation would have been a good approximation. At low energies, it would have been a bad approximation. So last time, uh, we convinced ourselves that we could rewrite the Schrodinger equation in terms of an integral Schrodinger equation, in terms of some incoming wave, integral over the exact wave function. Well, yes. The exact wave function is on the left, and it appears inside the integral with the potential. So this is equivalent to the Schrodinger equation. We convinced ourselves. We convinced ourselves one more time. We'll apply it to a problem that we know how to solve exactly and see that it gives the right answer. So problem 11.9 is 
show the ground state of hydrogen satisfies the integral Schrodinger equation. So the wave function for the ground state of hydrogen has e to the minus r over the Bohr radius. And the normalization has a square root of pi a cubed. Potential is minus h bar c alpha over r. And <coughs> the wave number is the square root of 2me over h bar but the energy is negative because it's a bound state. So this wave number is, is complex. So there's a root, the square root of minus one gives us an i and the energy is alpha squared mc squared over two. So we get i alpha mc over h bar, which is I over the Bohr radius. So our integral Schrodinger equation tells us the wave function. <coughs> There's no incoming wave. It's not a scattering problem. So the wave function should just be given by that integral. So the integral integration variables are not. And we have this propagator factor. The actual potential, the full wave function. So we'll call this integral i. Check that we get back the right answer. So from <coughs> the constant factors in the potential, we get a minus h bar c alpha. In the normalization of the wave function, we get a root pi a cubed. was i over a, so ik is minus 1 over a. Potential goes like 1 over r, and the wave function goes like e to the minus r over a. So we can take the z-axis to go along the direction r. And then this d3r is really r squared dr sine theta d theta d phi. So the d phi integration we can do in our heads because there's no phi here. So that just cancels that 2 pi.
one of those. So the tricky part is doing the theta integration. Um, but it's, if we write out what that square root is, it's an r squared plus r naught squared minus 2 r naught times r cos theta, and then the whole thing over a. squared dr sine theta d theta. So if I differentiate this exponential, I would get a bring down <coughs> a minus 1 over a and from the square root I'd get a 1 over square root which would look like that square root. And Uh, a minus 2r r naught sine theta, which would look like that sine theta. So this integral looks horrible, but it's actually trivial. So we'd get a minus a r over r naught. The 2 cancels the half from the square root. zero, this is uh, the absolute value of r minus r naught, and when it's pi, this becomes a plus, so it's absolute value of r plus r naught. And I left out a factor. Where did this guy go? So, because it has this, these absolute values in it, we'll split it up. So there's a, when it's plus, it doesn't matter. So we can do that one from zero to infinity. somewhere. Let's put it out here. Uh, at the bottom end, this is an absolute value of r minus r naught, so we need to split up the integral. So there's a piece 
where it goes from 0 to R. And R0 is less than R. So it's R minus R0. from R to infinity. And then it's R naught minus R. are not because they combine so we'll get a uh, cancel. So we just have e to the minus r over a. Integrated from 0 to infinity, so that gives us r naught. 0 to r. And here the r naughts combine <coughs> add again. A over 2 terms cancel. 
get e to the minus r over a, and these r's cancel. And what happened to our other factors? I missed one more A somewhere. Oh, M alpha H bar. So M alpha over H bar. M alpha C over H bar cancels the A. Sorry. So we get. Go away for a week and forget all the tools of the trade. So we get back the wave function. Finally. So, the integral Schrodinger equation is equivalent to the Schrodinger equation, even for bound states. So now we can start applying it to scattering. So, the first born approximation. So we're going to suppose that uh, our potential is localized. So, P of R0 goes to zero for large R naught. And we're interested in the wave function far away from the scattering region. So that's large R. Oops, guys are vectors. So we have this integral, v of r naught, psi of r naught, but psi of r naught is zero for large r naught. And so the region that contributes is when r is much bigger than r naught. talking about looks like this. Propagator, potential wave function. So we need, there's a dependence on the position of the wave function we're trying to solve for in this exponential. But since this potential is small, far away from the origin, then <coughs> this integral is dominated by small r naught, so r naught is small compared to r. So we'll start Taylor expanding. So this is approximately Keeping the first order term, you can drop the r naught squared. And so when we take the square root, and when we take the square root, we'll get a half multiplying this correction term. 
so we can write it as one r times one minus r hat dot r naught. So we'll define a the outgoing wave vector is the wave number along the outgoing direction. So we can write our exponential factor c to the i kr minus i k dot r naught. For scattering problems, we know that we're interested in an incoming wave function that goes along the z-axis. That's a plane wave incoming. wave, and then there's this integral we have to calculate. <coughs> the e to the i k r comes out front. read off the scattering amplitude. So we remember the idea of doing the scattering was you had an incoming wave and a correction term multiplying a spherical wave. So here's the spherical wave. So the thing multiplying it up to a normalization is the scattering amplitude. That's the piece that is generated by bouncing off the potential. about the cross-section. So now the Born approximation is to approximate this wave function by that incoming plane wave. So if the potential is weak compared to the incoming energy, it's a small correction and it mostly goes through as before. Approximate 
the full wave function by the incoming wave function, at least in the region where the potential is concentrated. find another wave vector, k prime. Which is the wave number pointing along the z-axis. So k prime represents the incoming momentum and k represents the outgoing momentum. in the exponential is the difference of those wave vectors dotted into R0. So k prime is kz hat. And then we have our detector along the R direction. So k is pointing towards the detector. difference of those two vectors uh, Griffiths calls kappa which is uh, depending on how you write maybe a good or a bad idea and because the sides of this triangle are equal equilateral triangle because we're talking about elastic scattering where the Energy, incoming energy is the same as the outgoing energy. You can see that kappa is 2k sine theta over 2. And that's the momentum transfer. Or if you multiply by h bar, it's the momentum transfer. So if we, if we could take the low energy which limit, which is small momentum, still have to have that the potential is a small perturbation. So it's a long wavelength limit. So if the wavelength is long, this exponential is just one. The more interesting case is when it's a spherically symmetric potential.
then inside this integral we can choose the z hat to be along the momentum transfer. The z axis is along the momentum transfer. So then k prime minus k dotted into r naught is just kappa r naught cos theta. Then our scattering amplitude only depends on theta. So the phi integration is trivial for that x equal cos theta. dx is minus sine theta. d theta. Then this integral is trivial too. So it'll just bring down and one over kappa r naught. So x goes from one to minus one. of exponentials. It'll just give us a sign of kappa r naught. We'll need a factor of two to convert the difference of exponentials to a sign and a one over kappa. And the one over r naught will cancel one of these r naughts. Then we just have a, the R naught integration. So that's the main point of this Born approximation. We get a closed form solution that just depends on the potential. So on the final exam, I give you a potential. You remember that you need to use this formula that we painfully derived. And then if, if you can find this formula on the formula sheet, uh, then you just have to do an integral. There must be some physics involved somewhere. So let's think about some <coughs> what the physics is. So the simplest potential that crops up everywhere. <coughs> so before the week is out, we're going to see 
how this Yukawa potential uh, appears in nuclear physics, particle physics, neutrino physics, solid state physics. If there's a physics, someone can find a Yukawa potential somewhere. So it got its name from obviously Yukawa, who was trying to understand nuclear physics. And he realized that the potential between protons and neutrons seemed to have this damped Coulomb form. So you could fit the data with an exponential suppression times a 1 over r potential. And his big idea was that <coughs> uh, this factor here, mu, it's like a mass term, has dimensions of mass, the factors of h bar and c. So by measuring from the data, he could extract the value of this mass, and he proposed that there must be a particle that had that mass to explain this potential, and that it's really the exchange of a particle that explains this force. And uh, after a few experimental confusions, they did find the pion, and it had the right mass. First, they found the muon, which had almost the right mass, and they were a little confused. Eventually, they got it sorted out. And indeed, the pion does explain long-range interactions between protons and neutrons, just from the simple potential. So remember, if we have a potential that's positive, that's a repulsive potential. If it's negative, that's attractive. So for the Yukawa potential, I give you the Yukawa potential, and you do the integral for me. So we have to integrate uh, r from 0 to infinity, e to the minus mu r from the potential, sine cap r that we got from the angular integration. And uh, if we have plus here, then it's minus there. So this is the repulsive. This is the attractive. And kappa is 2k sine theta over 2. Theta is the scattering angle. k is the wave number. So let's think about what's going on. We have some plane wave coming in. It hits some target. And as a result of interacting with the target, we get some spherical wave, which could have the intensity depends on what theta is. So at different thetas, the wave is more or less intense, as we saw from our simulation. But if we look what's happening behind the scattering target right here, there's an interference between the incoming plane wave and the outgoing spherical wave. And whether that interference is uh, destructive 
or constructive depends on the sign of this term. So if the phase factors are the same along the z-axis, so this is z, the incoming guy had an e to the i kz, this guy has an e to the i kr along the z-axis, those are the same. So when f is negative, corresponding to the repulsive case, uh, it's destructive interference. So that means the particle scatters out of the beam. It's more likely to be off the axis now or compared to the no whatever the probability was to be along the z-axis here, probability is smaller now after going through the target. So it's scattered out, which is what you expect from a repulsive force. When f is bigger than zero, that's the attractive case. You have constructive interference. That means the wave function wanted to scatter in like an attractive potential should. So your classical intuition uh, still works, sort of. So what about the total cross-section? So the total cross-section is given by the scattering amplitude squared integrated over a solid angle. this, get a 4m squared beta squared h bar to the fourth and we'll get uh, well the tricky thing is that there's we're integrating over sine theta d theta, but there's a sine theta d theta hidden inside kappa. So if you do it, you'll get a 4 pi over mu squared, mu squared plus 4k squared. Coming momentum goes to zero. The cross section goes like one over mu to the fourth. <coughs> so mu, this mu scales with the mass of the particle that we're exchanging to create the potential. So when that guy gets very heavy, it's hard to make a virtual particle that heavy, so the cross-section gets really small. If we go to infinite incoming energy,
get something that goes like 1 over the <coughs> wave number squared, which we can write in terms of the energy. section falls with energy. So if you have a really big energy, it goes right over the potential. If you have some little potential here and an infinite amount of energy, not much chance that it will notice that little correction. So from the Yukawa potential, we can get the Coulomb potential. So choose beta to be h bar c alpha and mu equals zero because the photon is massless. The differential cross-section is F squared. That'll be kappa to the fourth. energy we get our favorite old Rutherford scattering formula. And so <coughs> the cross section since it's squared doesn't care whether it was repulsive or attractive. So again, at large energies, not much scattering, but if you scatter it in the forward direction, it diverges. Is there any questions? Everyone remembers the last problem set is due tomorrow? Then we're done? You don't remember? Okay. I'll remind you it's due tomorrow. But it's the last one. Last one. No one on Thursday. <coughs> You're not giving us one on Thursday? No. Or during the Thursday? No assignment during, during the final. Just the final. Will we have a review session? We're going to have a review session, yes. Well, well, we'll see if we get to it in class. But maybe we can still have one Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon seemed to work well last time or the first for the first midterm. Does anyone know when the final is? Wednesday. Wednesday. Hmm?
Wednesday's good. It's better than Saturday. But thermo's easy. <laughs> and quantum mechanics easy. So you get two easy exams the same day. Oh, that sucks. Okay.